we as Americans should never be ashamed, should we, of the freedom that we have in our country to worship, to come together as people, even like we're doing today, to worship our God. And there are many of our friends and family members, some of you here today as I look out and see a number of you who have served in our military. And it's one of the greatest things as we kick off this season of thanksgiving and gratitude. It's one of the greatest things personally that I am grateful for. And so for those of you who are in here, men and women who have served in our armed forces or are serving in our armed forces in some way, we are eternally grateful for your sacrifice. And we thank you today from the bottom of our hearts. And as I pray this morning, I want you to think of those people in your lives who you have. My father, my father-in-law, my grandfather all served in the military. Think of that, those people that you have in your lives who have served. And let's thank God. Let's express our gratitude for those who have served in our military and are serving. Let's do that this morning as we pray. Father God, we're thankful for the freedoms that we have as Americans. God, we're thankful for the freedoms that we have in you. And God, we're a grateful people. We're so grateful that we can gather together like this in this room and we can celebrate you and God, we can do that without any fear of being looked over, watched over. God, we can start businesses without any fear of someone coming in and interrupting our day-to-day businesses. God, we can gather together in public places without any fear and God, we're thankful for those men and women in our lives, friends, Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents who have served and are serving. And they're sacrificing and they're giving of their time and their effort and their lives in some cases for our freedoms. And God, we're thankful for those people who are close to us. And God, with great gratitude, we pray a special prayer of blessing on those veterans on this Veterans Day weekend as we celebrate those who are in our lives, God. We're so thankful for them. But God, even beyond that, we're thankful for the sacrifice that you made. You sent your only son to die a brutal death on the cross so that we could have freedom in Christ, so that one day we can have eternal life with you. And we're thankful and we're grateful for that. God, as we kick off this new series, short in nature but meaningful in its impact, God, I pray over these next few weeks that you would help us to be people who are just grateful for the things that you've blessed us with. And God, as we consider how we as a people are blessed, I pray that we would always have on our minds the way in which you have poured blessing on us, both material and spiritual in nature. God, help us to be thankful, grateful people of gratitude. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A poet by the name of Charles Frederick White penned these words in 1895. He said this, Thanksgiving Day is coming soon, that long-remembered day, when nature gives her blessed boon to all America. Don't you love the way they wrote back in the 1800s? I absolutely love it. On that glad day in all our land, the people in their wake give thanks to God whose mighty hand deals blessings good and great. The roast goose steaming on the plate, the sweet potato cobbler, the cranberry sauce, the pudding baked, the seasoned turkey gobbler. Hungry yet, by the way? All these delight and many more from north, south, east, and west do all the nation keep in store for this Thanksgiving feast. Alas, for those who are denied this blessing boon of God, may all the needy be supplied like Israel by the rod. 
I love that, those words penned by this poet. And it kind of brings out the idea that we as Americans have celebrated Thanksgiving for generations, for years. In fact, if you do some study and take a look at the, the whole idea of celebrating Thanksgiving together, we have done this since the 1600s as a country. Even before we were established as a country, we were celebrating Thanksgiving together. We, were, we took some time off to give thanks to God Almighty for what He has done. It's an interesting celebration that actually the first explorers who came over from the old world into the new world and they began developing the land, they took a, a, a bit of history or a bit of tradition from their forefathers. You see, back in Europe, in, in Europe, the farmers, they would, they would plow the fields, they would, they would plant the fields, and then they would harvest the fields come the fall. And after, after the last harvest was taken every fall, after the last bit of produce, after the last bit of fruit was taken from the land and the winter months were very quickly coming upon those uh, European farmers, they would stop and they would give thanks. And so even our American ancestors took their cue from ancestors who long before were celebrating this idea of taking the fruit of the labor, that's those things that have been given to us by God, and celebrating and giving thanks for what he has done. And so in 1863, via presidential proclamation, the United States set aside a specific holiday, a specific day to give thanks to God, to give thanks to God. This is an excerpt from President Abraham Lincoln's address proclaiming an annual day of thanks. Listen to these words from President Lincoln back in 1863. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies to those bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they came, others have been added, which are so extraordinarily, uh, extraordinary of nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even that heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful presence of the Almighty God. And we see in our nation that we are a nation that thanksgiving, that giving thanks to God is just woven into the fabric of our country. But I wonder if, church, it's woven into the fabric of who we are as Christ followers. My guess is, is that we're so consumed with uh, the, the take and the want of our society and this insatiable desire to have and to get and to take that stopping for just a moment to think about what God has given us seems like a waste of time, doesn't it? It seems like that we are so in a hurry to get to that next thing so that we can have more gain that we forget to stop and thank the one who's given us everything that we are. And yet, it's so rare for us to do that. What God has given us, all the blessings he's given us, both materially and spiritually, and we'll talk about those two different things over these, the course of these next few weeks is reason to have thanksgiving every day as Christ followers, isn't it? He's given us so much bounty, so many things in Christ and material things that we ought to stop every day and give thanks to the one who makes it all possible. That's exactly what I want us to do over these next few weeks at Hilton Head Island Community Church. I want us to get into a pattern. I want us to get into a habit. I want us to be people who stop and give thanks. And what a great time in the life of our church as we're preparing for a new facility. And we'll do the commitment cards later in the service. As we are preparing to see what God does with a new facility, we ought to be thankful, grateful people 
We ought to be people who talk about what God has given us. And that's why we've entitled this series, I Am Blessed. I am blessed because of what God has given us. I was, uh, I was born in the wrong decade to, to really like recognize these words, and, but I'm going to read some words to you, and some of you will recognize them. In fact, those who weren't born in the decade that these words were written in the 1960s, uh, if you weren't born in the 1960s, you probably know these words, and some of you may be humming along with me as I read them. Trust me, you will not be blessed if I sing them, so I won't do that to you. Okay, a time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? A time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to laugh, a time to weep. To everything, turn, 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 right? Okay, there is a season, turn, turn, turn. Okay, all right, some of you are shaking your heads there. A time to build up, a time to break down. You can see why I'm not singing it now, right? Okay, a time to dance, a time to mourn, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together. To everything, Turn, turn, turn. Okay, there you go. You guys got it. There is a season. Turn, turn, turn. They just added that. That's not actually uh, in there. Anyway, a time for love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace, a time you may embrace, a time for embracing, from, uh, to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to mend, a time to sow, a time for love, a time for hate, a time for peace. To everything, there is a season. And the end of that song says this, a time for every purpose under heaven. And some of you may be in here and you've sung that song all your lives from the birds of the 1960s, and you may have that in your head, and even those who were born in a different decade, we have that in our head, don't we? And uh, we, we may think of that over and over again. But what you may not realize and what maybe you have forgotten is that those words who were penned by the birds in the 1960s, that 60s band, they were pulled directly off of Scripture. They were pulled directly from Scripture, except the turn, turn, turn part. <laughs> they were pulled right off the pages of Ecclesiastes. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you turn to Ecclesiastes 3 this morning, and the words will be up on the screens this morning as we discover how we can each say that I am blessed because of what this morning that we have been given. Now I want to give you a little bit of background as we talk about this this morning very quickly. The, the book of Ecclesiastes was written by King David. We all have heard of King David. And King David's son wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. His name was what? Solomon. King Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And in doing so, he writes a book that has an interesting theme. And that theme is, is that the fear of God, not an unhealthy fear, but a good fear, a reverence, an understanding of the kingdom of God, a good fear of God leads to a meaningful life. It's one of the most extraordinary uh, books in all of Scripture. And it's just filled. It's a beautiful uh, uh, prose and beautiful poetry that uh, King Solomon writes. But in it are hidden great truths of how to live our lives. Now, if you were to read the first two books of Ecclesiastes, you would think, man, Solomon needs to go to his counselor and visit a counselor or a psychologist because he's writing about the fact that life is meaningless. You're like, Solomon, you have all the riches in the world, and you're saying that life is meaningless, and so we're not going to go into that today. But he says that life is meaningless. He even says that pleasures are meaningless. He says that wisdom, the great man of wisdom himself, says that wisdom is meaningless. He says folly is meaningless. He says life itself is meaningless. But then he seems to balance, as he so often does, those statements with these few verses in Ecclesiastes 3. And we're going to take a look at 1 through 13, specifically focusing on verses 9 through 13. 
There is a time for everything, and this is where the birds got this, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, yes, for even those of us who don't like to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I want you to catch verses 9 through 13 here. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden that God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. And catch this last verse, that everyone may eat and drink and find what? Satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. We're trying to teach Sydney and Sean. We have a seven-year-old uh, Sydney and a four-year-old Sean, and uh, we're trying to particularly teach Sydney, our seven-year-old, in our house values. And one of the values that we've taught her is that everything comes from God. Parents, if you're a Christ follower, if you've been involved in church, this is one of the things that we teach: is that everything comes from God. And Sydney didn't quite ask the question this way when I was talking to her about this, but essentially she asked a question that I'm sure many of you have asked, that I've asked before. If everything comes from God, then why do I have to what? Work, okay? Why do I have to work? And essentially, she was asking that question. Well, if everything comes from God, Daddy, why you know, does, do we have to work and why do we have to labor? Well, the answer to that question actually goes back to the very beginning of the Bible. It goes back to the beginning of time, all the way back in the book of Genesis. You see, God put Adam and Eve here on earth, and it was a perfect place. The Garden of Eden was a perfect place. And then you know the story of sin of uh, Adam and Eve sinning in the Garden of Eden, doing that one thing that God had asked them not to do. And God cursed man and he cursed women. And what he did with man, also men, just specifically men, but also mankind as human beings, is he gave them the curse to have to work. That now we would have to labor to get produce from the ground. Now it wouldn't just be given to us. And if Adam and Eve hadn't done that, we would have quite a life. But Solomon is referring to this all the way here in the book of Ecclesiastes. And he says this in verse 10. I've seen the burden that God has laid on men. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the curse that we have to work, that we have to toil for our labor. And so Solomon recognizes that God's curse on man has work involved in it. But Solomon does something that's really interesting, and he does this so often in the book of Ecclesiastes. He takes something that doesn't sound really good, and he tries to find the beauty in it. In it. And following that first phrase in verse 10, he says, however, God has made all things beautiful in its time. And then let's take a look at verse 11. Verse 11, Solomon essentially says that man cannot totally comprehend eternity which we can't totally comprehend eternity, and that essentially all man can do is try to do good while he's here on earth. But I want you to skip down to 13. I want to read this again. And he says this, that everyone may eat and drink and find what? Say it again with me. Satisfaction 
in his work, in his toil. This is the gift of God. You see, Solomon here in Ecclesiastes is saying that we have to work, that that's the curse that God's given us, but everything can become beautiful in its time, and that we, when we work, we can have toil, and that we can actually find satisfaction in our work. You see, the curse of man was not that God forced us to have to work and that we would never find any kind of joy or satisfaction or happiness in our work. Solomon seems to say here that we can be happy when we work. And some of you are like, yeah, right, Todd, you don't have my job. I understand that. I've been in those places before. But I think what we do with this is it causes us to summarize and it causes us to rise above what we may be going through in our own workplace, in our own situation in life. And that's the bottom line of the message this morning. It's exactly why those in the early days celebrated Thanksgiving that they, uh, like they did. After man would toil in the field, the people would gather together and they would give thanks to not man, but who? To God for all that he's given us. We can find satisfaction in our work. And from our work, we receive blessing from God. Are you with me this morning? That we work and we can be satisfied in it and that we can be blessed by God because of it. It's the bottom line this morning. Man works, God provides, and we should be thankful for what we have been given. You know, it's interesting in the church, sometimes the church takes this whole uh, commitment to not be materialistic, and I think sometimes they take that to a, 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 a very unhealthy extent, and, and they say that we shouldn't be materialistic, and in doing so, we forget to give God thanks for those things which he gives us the opportunity to work for and enjoy. Think about the things that we have in our lives that we get to work for and enjoy. On Veterans Day week here last weekend, this weekend as we celebrate our veterans, it's our veterans who have worked tirelessly to give us the freedom that we enjoy as Americans. Am I right? It's the, it's the enjoyment that we have to have freedom that so many people have worked and are working hard to protect. And we are blessed, I am blessed, because of my country. Our family, unless you're a mom, you may not think of your work as a family, your family as work, but family is work, and providing for a family is hard work, is it not? But God gives us the opportunity to do that. He gives us the opportunity to toil, and we can be satisfied in that because it provides shelter and clothing and transportation and food for our family. And I am blessed because I'm able to provide for my family. Are you with me this morning? We are blessed because of what God is doing through us. The material fruits of our labor, we place a lot of this emphasis on not being materialism. And materialism does, the love of things is counter what God says in his word. But you know what? He gives us the opportunity to work so that we can enjoy the place that he's given us. And so I am blessed because, because God has given me the opportunity to enjoy the fruit of my labor. We should be excited about that. We should give thanks for those material blessings that God has bestowed upon us. But you know, there are also spiritual blessings that he's given us that we ought to celebrate. In a few weeks, you'll hear from Pastor Rob, and he's going to talk specifically about some of those spiritual blessings that we can celebrate. But this morning, I just want to emphasize two of them, and that first one is the Word of God. It's because of the Word of God that we have a blueprint, that we have a plan on how to live our lives. The psalmist says that the Word of God is a, a light into our path and a lamp into our feet, that this gives us the guide for life. I am blessed because God has given me his word. We ought to be blessed and we ought to be thankful and we ought to be grateful above all else.
for the salvation that he gives us through Jesus Christ. God sent his son Jesus to die a brutal death on the cross, and we'll celebrate that here in a moment at the table around communion and celebrating his death and his, uh, his life and his death and his resurrection. And that's the thing that we ought to most be grateful for. It's that thing that we ought to most have gratitude for, that God sent his only son to die a brutal death so that we can have life, so that we can have life in heaven one day. And I am blessed because of the salvation that God gives. And so this morning, I want us to kick off the season of being thankful by thinking of those things that we're blessed by. In our house this Thanksgiving season, we started it last week, last Saturday, uh, around the meals, around our mealtime, and around bedtime and times when we're in the car and we have opportunity to do so, we're spending this month as leading up to Thanksgiving as a time to talk about this as a family. And I want to encourage you to do that if you have children. What a great time for them to focus on the things that God has provided for them. And I want to encourage you to do that. I am blessed because of this. We're trying to teach the word gratitude to a seven-year-old. It ain't easy, let me tell you. But we're trying to teach gratitude to kids. And I want to encourage us as a church during this season, during these next few weeks, but even beyond that in just our general life, to be people who are always finding opportunity and finding ways that we can be grateful because of what God has given us. And he has given us so much, hasn't he? And I realize that we're in a period of time as a country and as a society and even our local community where the recession has hit hard. And it may be harder to find those things that God has blessed you with. But I guarantee you, if you look for them, if you look for them, it will help you rise above the situation that you find yourself in right now. Giving thanks to God helps us to realize that our situation isn't so desperate. It's not so bad that we can't get through it. God has blessed us in amazing ways. So I want us in our small groups and in our time together and when you're sharing with other people within Hilton Head Island Community Church, ask them, how are you blessed? And respond by saying, I am blessed because, and fill in the blank, how are you blessed this morning? I want to end this morning by another poem. A lot of poetry this morning. I love Thanksgiving. I love all the tradition that comes along with it. But, you know, Thanksgiving is a serious time to, to truly give God blessing for what he's done. And I want to end with this poem this morning. It's an anonymous poem. I don't know when it was written, but listen to these words. Let us give thanks to God above. Thanks for expressions of his love. Seen in the book of nature, grand, taught by his love on every hand. Let us be thankful in our hearts, thankful for all that the truth imparts. Let us be thankful for a land that will for such religion stand, one that protects it by the law, one that before it stands in awe. Thankful for all the things let us be, though there are woes and misery, lessons they bring for our good later, will be understood. Thankful for peace o'er all the land. Thankful for signs of liberty. Thankful for homes, for life and health, pleasures and plenty, fame and wealth. Thankful for friends and loved ones too. Thankful for all the things good and true. Thankful for harvest in the fall. Thankful to him who gives it all. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we as your people are truly grateful. God, we're so thankful for what you have done in our lives, what you're doing in the life of our church, how you have blessed us as people. God, we're so thankful for the way that you have 
given us blessing. And even in the midst of recession, even in the midst of financial downturn, Father God, I pray that we would be people who can find the blessing in life. Father God, I pray that we would be people who look and get, inter, uh, get introspective for a moment and look and find ways to be thankful for what you have given us. And God, over these next three weeks, as we talk about today the material blessings you've given us, as we talk next week about how you give us blessings even during trials, and God, on the third week, as we talk about those specific spiritual blessings that you've given us, Father, I pray that you would create people who are thankful, who are grateful who have a tremendous amount of gratitude. God, it's hard to teach someone who's seven that lesson. But God, sometimes for those of us who are in our 20s and 30s and on up, 40s, 50s and on up, God, sometimes that's a hard lesson for even us to learn. And I pray that you would help us to be people who look for opportunities to express verbally and written to you for how grateful we are for what you have given us. Father, we're blessed people, not just as Americans, but as Christ followers. Help us to be able to express that to you and to each other, and we will give you the honor and the glory for all that you've done. God, as we enter into a time of meeting around your table, of giving thanks for what you did on the cross, I think of so many years ago, 2,000 plus years ago, when you entered Jerusalem one day with your followers and you said, go find a room. We're going to give thanks during this Passover feast. And God, you along with a, a, a 12 men gathered in an upper room one night and you told them that you were going to die and that they should remember often the sacrifice that you were about to make. And so today, so many years later, God, we remember that sacrifice that you made on the cross so that we could have eternal life through you one day. And God, we do it with grateful hearts. We do it with a tremendous amount of thanksgiving. And God, we say that we are people who are blessed because of what you did on the cross. We are people who are blessed because we have the hope of eternal life. And we give you the praise, and we give you the honor, and we give you the glory today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.